Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, Episode 60. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Kim Green from Harvest Host, a collection of farms and wineries across the country that allow you to come and stay overnight for free. Kim and her husband, Don, have visited over 80 countries in the past 25 years and logged over 200,000 miles in various RVs during the last decade. A few things that we talk about on this episode is the story behind Harvest Host, how Kim and Don were able to start this business from scratch and bring over 600 locations across the country to come and join Harvest Host. How did they go about getting their first client and how long does that process typically take for new businesses? Why you should set goals and create a business plan from the very beginning and how to integrate your RV into your mobile business. Before diving into today's episode, I want to thank today's sponsor, WeBoost and the new 4GX RV cell phone booster. This cell phone booster is something I wish we would have picked up the day we bought our RV because I can't tell you how many times over the past three years we were in truly beautiful places outside of national or state parks, but we had to leave early because there was only one to two bars of Verizon and we couldn't get any work done or it wasn't fast enough to record a podcast over Skype, which is kind of a big deal. The 4GX RV cell booster can take that signal, multiply it up to 32X, and then rebroadcast it throughout the entire RV to give us a significant boost in internet speed. This means more time in beautiful places and faster internet wherever we go. WeBoost's new cell phone booster is made specifically for RVs, and if you want to receive a 10% discount, you can reach out and email me directly, heath at campgroundbooking.com, and I will hook you up with that discount code. Go to weboost.com to learn more about their cell phone boosters. I also want to thank Copilot RV, a navigation app that provides route planning and voice guidance designed specifically for RVs. With the Copilot RV app, you just type in the dimensions and weight of your RV before taking off, and Copilot RV app will automatically calculate the best route for you to avoid narrow and height-restricted roads. This is the best way to avoid a situation like we've been in before with our RV, where we are driving into a city like New York, and people are frantically waving at us to get off the road because we are about to go under a 7-foot high clearance and take off the top of our RV. Luckily, a nice northeasterner guided us back to the safer route. The Copilot RV app will not only customize your routes to avoid sketchy back roads and low bridges, but it also comes with a fully offline navigation function. This way you don't have to use your data while also using your maps and it works in all kinds of remote locations. To learn more about the Copilot RV app, go to copilotgps.com. All right, done with sponsors, done with ads. Let's get into today's show with Kim. Kim, thank you for being on the podcast with me. Well, it's my pleasure, Heath. Thank you very much for uh, for asking us to be here. <laughs> so you guys started Harvest Host eight years ago, and in that time have brought on around 560 wineries, breweries, and farms. I know they're mostly, I think they're mostly wineries and farms locations to share their land with campers who are coming through uh, and traveling the U.S. And I know this is a concept that you guys got when you were visiting Europe, right? This is pretty common in France. Uh, it has been going on for people to camp out at wineries. That's correct. Uh, we were traveling in Europe in 2008, and we came across this program in France. It's called France Passion. And we had so much fun visiting the farms and uh, wineries and producers, as they call them there, that uh, were offering spots to RVers to visit, that uh, when we returned to the U.S., we wanted to join a similar program, and nothing existed here. 
and uh, we had just sold another business, and we thought we were going to retire. Ha ha! <laughs> then the recession hit, and we decided that uh, this was an idea whose time had come in the United States, and so we started researching in 2009, and we started selling our first memberships in 2010, and it has just taken off since then. Yeah. Uh, so what was the business that you guys had before Harvisos? <laughs> we actually owned a laundromat in Arizona. Oh, nice. So natural segue <laughs> into uh, working with wineries and farms. Uh, and how long had you guys done that for? Uh, we We owned that business for 13 years. We actually really enjoyed it. But, you know, everything everything in life changes, and it's time to move on. And uh, like I said, we thought we were going to move on to retirement and, and <laughs> go live in our RV. But uh, <laughs> um, things with the economy didn't quite work out that way. So it was time to start another business. We've always been uh, self-employed. And uh, so we just thought this was a really cool idea and thought that other people would also enjoy it. And, boy, it's it's really um, it's really taken off, and we're really excited about it. So Harvest Hoves was born one out of a almost a necessity for you guys. It wasn't you couldn't necessarily coast on retirement recession and things like that, but also because you had been RVing uh, throughout Europe and thought this was just a really cool concept. It, was there anything uh, because obviously cultures are different? Was there anything for you guys that you just felt really strongly that this would work in the U.S. and and how did you kind of go about validating that people would want to do this? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you're right. Cultures are different, and there are some differences um, between our program and the programs that you find in Europe. Americans are much more, uh, I don't want to say capitalistic. That's not really, <laughs> I was going to say uh, transactional. Uh, I don't know why, but yeah, capitalistic. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, we are, our culture is kind of based on, we all like to spend money, and we like to support uh, businesses, and um our our program is very much based on being supportive of the the small business uh business person and uh small farms and while in Europe it's more about the RVers experience for us the program is really more about supporting um both sides providing experiences for RVers and supporting the small businesses we we feel very strongly about that, that aspect of it. So we always ask that our members make purchases when they visit because it's a really nice way to say thank you for the, uh, the experience. Totally. So I think that was probably the, our biggest, the biggest difference. When you, when you say uh, the places in Europe are more catered towards the experience for the RVer and not necessarily as much for the like, winery or farm, what do you mean by that? Well, what they uh, they don't require or even request that you make a purchase from okay. the uh, the what the the places that you're staying, and that is a very big part of our program. We do want to make sure that that it's a win-win for everybody. Totally, it's it's almost like part of uh, I don't know how to say this. It's almost like back in the old days, there's almost this honor system among a lot of our viewers, you know, even camping at Walmarts and things like that, which is like the biggest of big conglomerate businesses. But when they offer up a free campsite, it's, you know, it's pretty common, especially when you talk to other RVers, you see them online and you're like, you know, if you're, you're staying out there at Walmart, we're not trying to, to necessarily mooch dock to the most and, you know, go in and buy something. And we do that when we go there. And if we don't, I feel kind of bad and do the same thing when you go to a coffee shop, you know, even though I don't necessarily need the coffee, go buy a cup of coffee if you're going to use their Wi-Fi. And it's just kind of like this 
uh, common practice. So that's interesting that they don't necessarily do that in Europe. So you guys bring this over to the U.S. And did y'all kind of play around with the idea for a little while before you decided to go in full force? Like, what did <laughs> what did researching look like for you guys? Like, what did that process? What did you go through during that time? Because I'm I'm curious. Because I mean. To a certain extent, the past six months, my two co-founders and I have been doing a lot of that with campgrounds, you know, talking with campgrounds, trying to figure out their needs, building, you know, software solution to, you know, work with small business, similar to what you guys did, but, um, you know, different, I guess, niche uh, in the sense of who we're working with and the way we're serving them. But I'm so, so I'm interested to hear how you guys went about, you know, validating and uh, also just, you know, researching and getting this started. In a sense, we did kind of just jump in with both feet because this was already a um, a concept that was was well known and well established in Europe. We had a pretty good idea that it would work here, but going back to your earlier question, there there were differences that uh, that we wanted to pursue in the U.S. And so, basically, our our research was talking with our friends who are our viewers, talking with some other groups that we were part of so that we could get a more unbiased view than what our friends would tell us, doing some research online about um, RVers' habits, what their likes and, and dislikes were. And mostly what we were finding is that people were looking for experiences and they wanted something different than than just the traditional campground experience. And so we just talked to as many people as we could. We did a lot of research online, and we talked to some uh, of our friends who were also business owners to see what their attitudes were about changing changing their view of how they would attract customers because that's something else that we also had to deal with is when you're starting something from nothing, uh, you have to deal with people's expectations both positive and negative. And there are a lot of different views about RVers out there depending on where you're coming from, you know, what your background is, what your your views are when you're driving down the road and you see a bunch of RVers or when you're driving down the road and you see RVers at Walmart, that type of thing. So it's been a, it's been a real interesting process for us just talking to a lot of people, both online and personal experiences, talking to RV dealers, just getting a lot of different um a lot of a lot of different feedback totally and uh and then like i said just jumping in with both feet <laughs> <laughs> was was part of it so you're you're talking with wineries and basically and i'm just trying to understand like you're talking with wineries and trying to basically convince them that uh not all of years like if they don't have any experience in the rv industry they it's kind of like when people first jump into rving like you quickly learn the difference between a trailer park and a campground like trailer parks are different than campgrounds, same with mobile home parks. And for some people, it may all be kind of lumped into one if they don't necessarily understand. So were you trying to basically sell uh, wineries on the fact that, you know, there's a lot of really amazing people out there who are out traveling and they're just looking for cool experiences and you don't have to be worried about these people to come and stay on your property? Is that kind of the conversation? Yes, exactly. Exactly. That um, RVers, yes, RVers are really cool people <laughs> and they... They want to support. They they like traveling to small towns. They like meeting people in uh, areas that they've not traveled to before, and they like supporting the local businesses. And what we offer is an opportunity for them to meet the winemakers and the farmers. They can learn about their their businesses, 
and uh, express an interest in what they do. And that is a big part of how we, um, we approach the businesses, that it's going to attract people who are interested in you and your community, and that's going to be a real benefit to you and your community. Absolutely. I know that uh, Alyssa and I, our first year on the road, we did our Hourly America project, and I worked uh, a couple jobs at wineries and vineyards and at breweries and also farms. And uh, so those are some of my, my the funnest jobs, uh, but also in part because we get to camp out on the farms and on the, you know, in the vineyards. And once was an apple orchard outside of Burlington and, you know, the leaves are changing and we're in the middle of this orchard and we're out there by ourselves. And we woke up in the morning and had uh, cider donuts. And I was just like, this is the coolest experience Absolutely, and getting to yeah. meet and talk with locals. And it's such a different, um, you know, you go there with a different expectation of interaction. I think with people, you, you go there expecting to learn and meet strangers and be a little bit outside your comfort zone, maybe, and, you know, have some good food, have some good wine. And I, it's kind of the same way that perceptions are different if you're going to a national park campground versus an RV park uh, in a, you know, maybe in a suburb or something like that. You know, in the RV park, maybe you're just more inside and, and things like that. And at a national park, you're expecting to kind of be a little bit more out in nature. I don't know. It's just a different perception right off the bat when you're showing up. And like you said, I think it attracts that type of clientele who's looking for those types of opportunities. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um, we... That is exactly what we're offering. It's an opportunity to have new experiences and delve a little bit more into what life is like for these people that you may have never never had an opportunity to find out about. I'm a perfect example. Um, I'm a city girl. Hmm. I didn't have any idea about where my food came from. You know, it comes in plastic at the at the grocery store. <laughs> and as I got older, I realized you know, it probably doesn't arrive that way. You know, it, it, somebody has to deal with it. And um, so as I got older, I really had this desire to milk a cow <laughs> <laughs> and, and learn how, you know, how eggs, you know, how that whole egg thing works. <laughs> and it does, it does give you a totally different perspective. Last year, we were uh, at one of our, our dairy hosts in uh, here in Arizona and we got to see a calf being born. And mm. not only, you know, people think, oh, that's a wonderful experience for kids. Not only is it a wonderful experience for kids, it was a wonderful experience for this city girl to learn. I mean, obviously, I know where calves come from, but <laughs> but just to, to see that experience. And uh, it was just, it was really, really exciting. And that is exactly what we want to try to offer people, is just uh, another way of seeing the U.S. and Canada, and meeting really interesting people that are doing things that you might normally never have gotten to experience or, or people that you would not have gotten to meet. It's like forcing uh, you outside your comfort zone a little bit, I guess, for someone like us, because it's easy for us to go to a campground and kind of keep our heads down and work and not necessarily interact and be around other people. Whereas in uh, staying in some of these places where we've stayed in driveways or on farms, which we've done quite a bit, and I want to do more of because we're going to the Northeast this year, and I know there's a lot of harvest hosts up there. It kind of forces us to to be in community and to meet other people, which is something that you know kind of lacks on the road. I, we've talked about that on the podcast before. With I've talked about it with other people, you know, just we miss our community when we're out on the road. And I know you guys live in Prescott for six months out of the year in Arizona, and then you RV about six months out of the year. And you were talking yesterday about how stoked you guys are and how your friends kind of vie after you whenever you come <laughs> back home. They want to hang out with you. That's that's a cool thing. So it kind of can help 
I think replace part of that because if we talk to a lot of people who they run into other friends at wineries or they make new friends when they're in these places because it's kind of you're going there, like you said, with that expectation to meet people. Exactly. We've gotten some really, really nice emails from members who have said that they've really connected with the hosts that they've met and who at holiday time have actually received gifts from um, some of the hosts that they've met. And that just it, it just warms my heart and blows me away the, the connections that some of our members have made. So you're absolutely right. It does add an element um, of community to people on the road who are missing that. I love that. So uh, so you guys have this idea. You decided to go full force after doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of other RVers. So I know this is Don's area, but I'm sure you guys were in this together every step of the way because he was talking about this as kind of his – he's kind of the biz dev guy for you guys. How did you all go about getting some of those early wineries and, and actually selling them on that? So how did you actually take this from inception to – uh, we're actually going to go out and pitch them. Did you call them? Did you show up? Like, what did that process look like of getting like those first maybe five locations for you guys? Because I'm sure some of those were the hardest sells because you didn't really have anybody at that point. That's right. Well, and actually, it's it's kind of all of the above. Any any uh, effort that we had to do, um, we did. So there were um, there were personal visits, there were phone calls, there were emails. A lot of research done online, a lot of research done uh, talking to people. And yeah, the first ones are always the hardest ones to get. And it, it's always, it's kind of like with anything else. You just have to find the right person. And our very first host was in Oregon. And he was just so excited about the concept. And he's a real, he's a real go-getter kind of guy, kind of like you, Heath. Um, he, he's real high energy and he never stops thinking about what he can do to improve his business. And this was, uh, Harvest House was just another opportunity for him to, um, attract more people to his winery. And, uh, I would have to say that his enthusiasm for the program fueled our enthusiasm. And I remember we were, we were still dealing with paper and, uh, not not everything was online for the program at that point, and so he mailed us, snail mailed us his his uh, information form, and I remember getting it and just jumping up and down. We were so excited to get the very first one, and and you're right, it is hard to start from nothing and attract from nothing because you just have to be very very convincing and very persistent, and it it's a tremendous amount of work. And Don is very good at being persistent. Um, he's he's a real um, he won't take no for an answer, or, or put, put it this way, he won't take nothing as a no. He will pursue <laughs> until until you commit or just say no. So you have to be really persistent. You have to work really hard, and it, it all just comes down to lots of research, lots of footwork, and believing in in what you're doing and not letting other people's um, negativities uh, stop you. You just really have to believe that what you're doing is the right thing and that you can make it work. And that's also one of Don's real, um, real up parts of his um, personality. Personality, there we go, (laughs) is that he believes that he can do anything that he sets his mind to. And uh, that is, I think, absolutely the number one goal for being successful. You really have to believe in what you're doing and you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. 
and uh, I think that's one of the the best um, messages that we've ever gotten about being successful on your own is you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. You may not have to do, you may not have to go that far, but you have to be willing to do. If you have to stay up all night to make something happen, if you have to you know, travel to the ends of the earth to make it happen, you're willing to do that. So that's that's basically how we've how we've done this. We've just we've just really pursued pursued the idea, pursued hosts, and uh, it's funny because it's a two pronged business. You know, we have the host side of the business, and then we have the RVer side of the business, and we need both of them to make this succeed. And everybody has to kind of hold up their end because it it can't it can't happen with both of them without both of them. Totally. Whenever, uh, how long was it before that first campground up in Oregon? How long was it from kind of idea inception through research to getting that first one? Do you have an idea of that timeline? Uh, it was probably right about a year. Wow, that's a long time. It's a lot of work. <laughs> right? You know, like that, honestly, it makes me feel better because uh, we've been working on campground booking uh, and I've been kind of documenting and sharing some of the progress of this business as we're getting it going um, and sharing kind of resistance, things I've learned. And, um, you know, we started kicking around the idea last February, March, but not really doing much with it. And then actually started working on building out the software uh, probably early fall. So like sep- August, September kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we ha- we don't have our first paying customer yet. We've had some campgrounds in there using it, kind of poking around, giving us feedback. But uh, it takes a long time. I think it takes a lot longer than you think, especially, you know, if it's not your full-time thing, if you're, if you're bootstrapping, you know, run another business to kind of fund right, or, yeah. or job because it's nights and weekends. And, and so it's like, what do, you, what do you say to yourself during that first year when you don't have any wineries and things like that on the platform? Because I, I, I'm sure that you're, or maybe it's just this, this is me because I'm kind of in the weeds right now. I'm sure there's certain points where you're like, man, is this going to work? Uh, you know, is this ever going to get going? Like, did did you say that or have that script in your head at any point during that first year or not not at all? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, everybody goes through doubts. And you you do have to realize before you even start how much effort it's going to take. You may not know exactly how long it's going to take, but you that's why I talk about having a, a business plan. Having a business plan will help you follow your um, – Follow the the steps you need to reach your goal, and each time you pass a a milestone, it's something else you can tick off. I'm a, I'm a big list person. I love being able to cross things off my list. So so having a um, something written down that shows all your goals that lead to getting that first that first paying customer, that first um, winery or whatever it is that you're you're searching for or trying to make uh, a business out of so that you can tick off those goals along the way so that you don't get frustrated. But you do have to recognize before you start that it is going to be a lot of work. Nothing, I mean, it's kind of an old, an old saying, but nothing, nothing comes from nothing. You're not going to just walk in and just think you have a great idea and think everybody else is going to think it's a great idea without putting all the work into it to make everybody believe you've got a great idea. It has to be something that you that people do actually need uh, or would enjoy. You have to make it it worth their while. You have to make it within their means to pay for, and you just really have to believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, 
and and uh, be willing to stick it out. And yeah, there's always going to be bad days. There's always going to be setbacks, but you just have to keep plugging along. Um, and I don't know at what point you say, okay, this isn't working um, for us. Despite the fact that we had bad days, there were more good days than bad days. So you, it's you're still moving forward. You still feel that you're moving forward, and um, I think you just have to be willing to wait it out. And one of my one of my things, obviously, would be to say you have to have enough money to live on, so that you're not forced to give up because of a financial reason. Mm. Um, I, I think that that's really important. So, you know, it, it's really hard. It's, it is hard to, to start a business. And I would say it's definitely hard to start a business when you're, when you're on the road, um, especially if that's, that's going to be your only source of income. I imagine that it's always going to be easier if you can transition an existing business into something that you can do on the road. Um, but uh, because we're we're only on the road six months out of the year, and we do have a a uh, a business office at home, um, sometimes I feel that for us that makes it easier. I do like still living in my office surrounded by paper, which I I wouldn't be comfortable <laughs> doing in the RV. <laughs> totally. How have you guys? Yeah. How have you guys integrated? Uh, RVing into growing Harvest House? Like, how have you guys, I know y'all have traveled to, I'm sure, uh, RV events and conferences and things like that. So how have you went about kind of integrating y'all's love of RVing into ways that you guys have grown this business? Well, of course, the the most fun way is that we can get on the road and do research for new hosts on the road. Um, that's that's the, the really fun part of the business. Um, and we can do that you know, just driving and, and looking off to the side wherever we go. Um, the Then there's the, the real business side where we do travel to the rallies and get-togethers. Um, and that part's really satisfying for us because that's where we get to meet our members and uh, learn about their personal experiences and have personal contact with them, get feedback. Um, so that's been that's been really great. So there, right there, it comes back to the the two sides of our business, dealing with the hosts and making sure that we we continue to grow with our host database and finding locations, and then also being able to to interact with our members and uh, get personal feedback from them, which has been extremely satisfying for us. So that's how we're um, able to spend that much time on the road because they're they're both business. Um, business related and uh, very exciting, very extremely rewarding for us to get out in the RV and get out of our offices and, and get back to the roots of, of what exactly we're doing, which, you know, <laughs> you can really get stuck in front of your computer and forget that there's, you know, a real world out there. Yeah. So it, it's really, really good for us to be able to get out and, uh, and interact personally, both with the hosts and with our members. Totally. That makes sense. So uh, I've talked with a little bit from, I have some some friends who have started companies that are uh, in the RV rental space. So basically people renting out their RVs and, you know, essentially it's a marketplace. It is a marketplace for people to rent out their RVs and also people to go and rent RVs. And that's the same type of situation where you have a kind of a chicken and egg problem where you're looking to sign up wineries 
And basically you get someone to say, hey, we'll list out our winery with you guys. And you're like, okay, well, now we need to go share this with a bunch of RVers and get them to sign up for our membership because that's how you guys have monetized the company is that people pay, is it $40 for a membership if it's reoccurring automatically and like $44 to renew if you do it manually each year? Well, actually, it's it's you're correct, but it's a little, little the other way around. It's a $44 uh, a year membership if you just want to go year to year. Uh, it's 40, excuse me, did I say 44? $44 a year for the single year and then $40 for a recurring membership. For the $44 a year people, their renewal would also be $40. They would just have to do it manually year after year. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a no brainer. You pay that for one night at a campground. So you get a whole year. Yeah. So it's, it's really a low price thing, but how did you guys go about starting? So you start reaching out to these camp, these, uh, wineries, and breweries and farms, how did you go about getting RVs to sign up for your membership? Because to me, that's that's almost the, I don't know, I don't want to say it's the more difficult. You tell me, what was more difficult and why? Um, gosh, you know, I would say it's probably more difficult to get the the hosts, the, the wineries and the farms and attractions, because we're talking to people who are not necessarily um, RV knowledgeable and we're asking them to give up, uh, you know, a spot on their personal private property to allow RVers to spend the night. So we're, it takes a lot of um, convincing um, and a lot of uh, just talking to them about that. The RVers were a little easier in that they're already interested in new experiences and uh, they they thought this was a really cool idea. But for us, in the beginning, it was a tremendous amount of work. We started out, it would have been in 2010, in Quartzsite, and it, which was really convenient since we live in Arizona. Um, we started, we only had hosts in California, Oregon, and Washington, and I think there were about 30 of them at, at the time we started uh, selling memberships. And we went out to court, or actually before we went to Quartzsite, we contacted um, escapees, chapter groups um, via email and phone and asked them if, you know, introduced our concept to them and asked them if we could come and speak to their groups. And Escapees was so wonderful to us. They, uh, every one of the groups that we contacted invited us to come speak and they actually allowed us to sell our very first memberships right there in the desert um, to the wonderful people who supported us right from the beginning. And all we had at the time was some um, Xeroxed flyers and um, a website and 30 hosts that they could go visit. And these people took a chance on us, which we so appreciated, and um, allowed us to, to continue by saying, by validating what we were doing and saying, this is a really cool idea. We want to go do this. And uh, that's how we started. We sold our very first memberships in person, face-to-face to escapees members at Quartzsite. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And how many on average, or do you have an idea of how many members you guys have today? Uh, they come and go, but right now we have about 5,000 members. That's awesome. That is really cool. So, you're going around, you pitch some local chapters of escapees, and you have around 30 wineries and farms. How many did you guys get in that first year? Do you remember? Like as far as uh, like locations? Yeah, that would have been about the 30, 
the 30 okay. locations. So the first in, year was yeah. really research. It took you a year to get that one. And then the second year, brought it, bringing on those 30 locations. So two years in, and you still don't have any paying customers, right? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It would have been in the first year was when we were doing um, all that research. We probably, we would have had the, the 30 by the end of the first year. We did, So it, it was in January of our second year. So the, the first month of our second year that we um, got our first paying customers. Got it. Got it. So, so after that first year, what has been kind of the most effective way of growing Harvest Host? You know, after you're kind of going out and pitching this, so like over the past eight years, you guys have grown this to be really sustainable business for both you and Don. So what has probably been the, the number one way that you guys have grown this? Well, we started out um, really uh, hitting the, the rally circuit and speaking to anybody um, who would talk to us or that would allow us to speak to them. We, we contacted a lot of uh, RV clubs. Um, we were willing to go wherever we needed to go. Um, that was where the, the RV also came in handy. Um, and we were traveling all over the United States to speak to um, RVers and just really pursuing anybody uh, that would allow us to talk to them. Um, for a while, we were having um, Harvest Host members do rallies for us in parts of the country that we couldn't travel to at the time. Um, so that was really helpful. And, of course, social media has really been um, huge for us um, in probably the second half of our, our business life with Harvest Host. Um, we, we've been quite active in doing promotions with uh, a lot of the bloggers out there. Um, and the more they talk about us, the more bloggers would join. And so the, it, you know, it started to grow exponentially with people talking about us. And uh, that's, that's really been wonderful. So we've been able to kind of scale back the, um, the rallies that we've been doing. Although in a sense, I miss that because that is the nice face-to-face contact. So um, since there were the two rallies here in Arizona last month, um, Family Motor Coach Association and escapees and escapers as part of escapees. That was really a, a great excuse for us to be able to get back out there and talk to our members face to face, and uh, that was really exciting. So we're not going to give that up completely, but um, getting people to talk about us on social media has has really been the uh, the major growth of the business in the last few years. What, what has been the biggest surprise about launching Harvest Host that you did not expect to happen but has been an unexpected benefit of running this business, other than probably getting to drink lots of good wine? Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> that's really nice. Um, I don't know, unexpected. Uh, I mean, of course, everybody hopes and <laughs> expects to be successful, but I think the the wonderful comments that we've gotten from people um, about offering something that that really that they really enjoy. I think that's probably been the best part of of the whole experience. Um, here, you know, you go into something thinking that you've got a good idea, and then when other people validate that what you've done and and what you thought was a good idea, that's that's really been the most rewarding. Um, in, in terms of unexpected, I fortunately, I guess there's really not been anything unexpected that's, <laughs> that's happened. Um, it's just really been um, very steady. And uh, like I said, you know, periodically there are setbacks, but 
it's really been it's really been extremely rewarding for us. So I wouldn't say there's been anything unexpected other than than the um the response has been has been even better I would say than than what we had hoped for. It's really been great. That's awesome. This is a question that I that I ask each guest on the show. Uh what is the uh what does success look like to you and Don in this in this lifestyle? As you guys are are RVing for half the year and running Harvest Host and growing this business, like what would be uh, what would you consider successful? Oh gosh, you know, I I would have to say we are already at that point that that we feel success, uh, and it and it I, I know I keep repeating it, but <laughs> it's it's the the response that we're getting. We we just get tremendous feedback, and especially when it comes from the hosts when they say how much they're enjoying our members visiting. That's that's incredibly heartwarming. I don't know that, you know, other than somebody coming in and offering us lots and lots of money <laughs> to buy it, that uh, that we would feel any more successful than we already do. We've we've been extremely, um, extremely satisfied, and um, I, I guess I would say humbled by the response because it's it's been really terrific, and it's really just proved how great our veers are. Um, and, uh, you know, they treat our hosts really well and they have treated the program really well. And that's been just tremendously satisfying for us. So I would say that, that success is, is already here. We're already <laughs> tremendously, um, happy with how it's all gone. So there's, there's nothing that, um, I would say needs to happen for us to feel that it's been successful. We're, we're extremely happy with it. Awesome, Kim. Well, where can people learn more about Harvest Host? They can go right to our website, which is Harvest Hosts, and they need to make sure there's an S on the end of hosts, dot <laughs> <laughs> com. And uh, there's tons of information there. Um, we have our code of conduct provides a lot of information for our members on um, what is expected of them when they visit. Um, lots of uh, FAQs for people who have questions. And there is always that contact button. If they have more questions, uh, they can always contact us. And it is just us. If you email, you get me. If you call, <laughs> you get Don. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Kim. It's our pleasure, Heath. Thank you so much. And all the best to you and Alyssa. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to our website at heathandalyssa.com and go to podcast. Thanks again to WeBoost and Copilot RV Navigation app for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you haven't already done so, I'd love to hear from you guys. And iTunes, please leave a review if you haven't already done that or subscribe. Each of those help more people find the podcast. You get notifications when each new episode goes live if you're subscribed and not just casually searching for The RV Entrepreneur or listening on our website. So subscribing in iTunes helps more people find the show each time it boosts the rankings and all of that good stuff. So I appreciate you guys. We're up to 165 in iTunes. And I would also love to hear how you guys are enjoying the many episodes that are going live each Friday now. If you missed the last one, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, It's on how to negotiate lower or cheaper lodging while on the road while bartering with campgrounds. Uh, So I'd love to hear y'all's feedback on some of these mini episodes and subjects that you would like me to dig into. I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.